0: All are a You're going to be okay, kid.
1: Hey,
2: oh, yo, yeah. hey, yo, yeah. listen.
1: What's up, I'm Frank. This is Tom. And, and this, this is, is the Frank, and Tom, Frank Tom
2: and Tom Show. Please listen, I have nothing to say.
3: If you're easily triggered, or may be triggered, or worried about getting triggered over sensitive content,
1: The Frank and Tom Show cannot be held responsible for anything, ever.
0: Frank and Tom are not responsible for any direct, indirect, incidental, or consequential damages resulting from any defect, error, or failure to perform.
1: The Frank and Tom Show can never be responsible for anything we've ever taken responsibility for. Frank and Tom show are not responsible for anything ever said in this commercial or any other commercial therefore after before or
3: anything during
1: nope possibly good. nope not good canceled
3: nothing's good hey everybody. September fifth. September fifth. On and in on fire. We're recording. What do you know, Joe? Drew's not. Joe. 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 Hey,
1: Drew. Drew. Drew
3: Joe, Joe. Joe. Whatever the fuck. We made it's it
1: se- to September. That's what's important.
3: That's what's. Uh, that's what's really important. Autumn is upon us. Hello, everybody, Autumn. and welcome back to I'm another up. fresh episode of the Frank and Tom Show. Certified fresh. And um, Special today guest. we have another special guest. Which is very special to me, because it is my big brother. That's my brother, goddammit! Yeah. That's out of uh, Backdraft. He's, oh. he's a good guy. <laughs> I've always used that. He's a good man. Matt is an amazing guy. Baldwin. Matt uh, has an illustrious career as a crane operator, which he has finally put to the side. But um, I think what I would love to talk to Matt about is just basically being an amazing dad and his long, long road to recovery with dealing with, uh, well, he'll talk about it for sure. He'll talk about it. But um, he's had a bunch of knee surgeries. And um, if you go to Matt's Facebook, Matt Sparkman, you'll be able to see also the road he's traveled. And um, he's a serious CrossFit guy. And CrossFit. Um, We always talk about getting put into a position. Outside of our day-to-day life, sometimes that makes our day-to-day life easier. I've uh, referenced jujitsu as something that changed my life because a conversation seems like absolutely nothing if you've just been choked out. So CrossFit's along the same True. lines because it's just so brutally intense. That's why people love to do it. You know, they'll do you know a hundred box jumps and feel like they're gonna yeah, die. I'm sure and it then keeps you in
1: super good shape. Yeah.
3: So then when you go and you gotta tackle the day, it's you know rather easy. But we're gonna give Matt a call right now, and um, okay, yeah, here we go. Let's talk to my brother Matt Sparkman. He's an amazing dad, husband, and. Uh, Wow. Pretty badass dude. I
0: haven't seen Matt Sparkman in years. Hey, hey.
3: Matt, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Amazing. So we have no
1: precursor here. We are live on the Frank and Tom show. What's up, Matt? How's it going?
2: What's up, Tom? Good, man. How about yourself, brother?
1: I'm doing good. Doing good. It's nice to have you on.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's it's an honor and a pleasure uh, to join you guys today. Thanks for having me on.
3: Heck yeah. Um, I, I gave the introduction that you are my brother, Luke. We are yeah. b- of blood relation, so much so that we have a language that you and Nathan Rogers, one of our previous guests, actually developed. He's our most eccentric guest. Ma- I may slip into it every now and all of it uh, to talk to yeah. Matthew uh, Lupin. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh yeah no a lot of us a lot of people that do know matt and i and and they'll then that they know that this language exists
2: this is very true yeah my own my own children have even adopted uh some of it as well so
3: <laughs> nice <laughs> i always have a blast trying to spell the words like i yeah. I like really tickled yesterday i was texting you and i was like oh i think i actually did a pretty good representation there
2: yeah it really pisses the autocorrect off
1: it's kinda of like, like a lot of uh, Native American languages, like there's no written language. It is just kind yeah. of a speaking language. Yeah, there's three different dialects. There's
3: Nathan's dialect, my dialect, and Matt's dialect. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you guys yeah. all understand all of them. <laughs> yeah, and we all understand each other, but we're fairly different. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who else knows that language, Matt. Uh
2: well, my Victoria does. Oh, my wife yeah, is known. Yeah, my wife's known to break it out occasionally. There you go. Yeah, of course, right?
3: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean yeah, there's four dialects. Nice. Because sure, Everyone
1: I'm, that speaks it speaks their own yeah. dialect. I've never heard I've never heard Tara
3: try to even attempt it. That's funny. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so maybe once, on like when she was drunk or something, she's like All Frankel All right, all right. That's all that's all good. Um, I did give a little bit of a precursor of of kind of the topic that that we wanted to talk about today, and um, which is like, in my opinion, an absolute triumphant story and one that I'm obviously emotionally invested in myself because you're my big brother and I only want good things for you. I'll cry right now, (laughs) goddammit. I appreciate that. (laughs) But, um, you know, I was telling the guys, and uh, Tom can relate, Due to you know an injury he suffered with his own leg, but um, so at this moment you're you're like I I just just saw a picture of you from last week, Matt, and you're in this gym of CrossFit dudes, and you are the fucking like specimen of the group, you know, like you you're <laughs> like the Conor McGregor of the fucking of all the guys. And yeah, it's, I saw it's, that uh, picture too. It was it really. Um, I'm glad that we could talk about it on the podcast because there's no post or there's no little huggy fucking smiley face that like does the justice of like how amazing that is to see Um, and then also you know know, having you be my brother obviously and knowing uh, that's a long fucking road so um, you know so let's let's take us let's take us back a little bit. Um I I can I can kind of like start uh, where I think might um st- kind of uh, where everything began I, I guess with this a knee problem. I I mentioned the knee yep. problem, okay? Um yep. but you were an amazing okay. skateboarder when we were kids.
2: So I mean I, was, I I tried to be.
3: <laughs> you're probably one of the better skateboarders. Um and then you know, which led to some knee issues, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, growing up on the the rough and tumble streets of Crestline, um, with the likes of guys like Tom D Chris and Nate, Nate Rogers. You know, a lot of uh, other. You, you mean, Tom? You can vouch for this. And Frankie, you remember how it was back in the day, but um, before the smartphone. You know, and it's like uh, all yeah. us kids. We had to find something. You know, a creative outlet or whatever, because the mountains, mountain life can get kind of like, you know, it gets kind of monotonous up there. I mean, there's only so much uh, forest exploring, tree climbing you can do. So, um, I gravitated towards skateboarding. I just, you know, thought that it was a cool thing to do. So yeah, I picked up a skateboard when I was a teenager, and started messing around on that, and, and uh, really started to try to get serious with it. Um, but anybody who you know developed any sort of competency on a skateboard knows that you got to take a lot of slams.
1: Yeah, you have to uh, definitely yeah, you have to hurt yourself pretty. You know, sometimes pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: man. I mean, yeah. you're like breaking yourself off every single time you get on the board. You it's know, a, I mean, it's
0: a rough sport. Even
2: just even just learning how to do a kickflip, you know, you're gonna eat crap all the time. Just learn how to kickflip.
0: I rolled my ankles doing kickflips, man. Like those were the things oh, yeah. I always rolled my ankles on.
1: I saw this. Uh, I was sitting at an intersection in San Bernardino yesterday on my way home, and I saw this kid, like probably 13, 14 years old, just trying to do kick flips at the uh, at the yeah. corner stoplight. And I'm like, I remember those days. You just gotta keep on keep on trying it until you figure out how to do it, you know. But he was like, and then he started, like did like some pop shovets and some 180s. I'm like, he's got it go- got it going. But yeah, you're right. You know, you you definitely hurt yourself, but. Uh, you were, yeah. You so, were, uh, and then
2: were, you know, through you, that process, through the the knee scraping and elbow scraping and all that stuff, all the slams, you know, you start to learn how to do stuff. But I remember, uh, remember, like regarding my knees, you know, they were they didn't really give me any trouble at all, you know. And then um, I don't know, I started skating probably like when I was 13, and then when I turned 17, I remember I had. Uh, I stayed the night at my buddy's house in Arrowhead. And then, or maybe I was 16, I don't know, I was 16 or 17. But I stayed the night at my buddy's house in Arrowhead and then I couldn't get a ride home. And we lived out, my parents lived out in Job's Peak. This is when we lived in Job's Peak, Frankie. Yeah. And uh, so I remember lying. going, okay, well I have to go home. So I walked all the way from North Bay Road, like right on the lake. Um, to Job's Peak, and but I had my skateboard, so I remember I was boarding down hills, you know, coming from uh, Lake Arrowhead. And you guys, I mean, you guys know how long of a journey that is.
1: Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. Hmm.
2: But that was like even so, like you know, I didn't have a car either. So if you didn't have a car back in the day, you're walking, you know. So I used to walk everywhere on that mountain. I know you guys have put some miles on your own legs oh, walking around those mountains, you know. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Jesus.
2: And so. I walked all the way from North Bay to Job's Peak, and then I woke up the next day, and my 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 damn knee was like the size of a grapefruit.
0: Wow. Oh Yeah, shit. man,
2: it, it just swole, it swelled up, and so I ended up having to go to the doctor, and then they 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 did an X-ray, and then I ended up having the surgery. So that was my first surgery when I was 17.
1: Crazy. So that's how like that's how you you uh, figured it out, huh? Just from that long walk, that's what did it in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, yeah, I know that it obviously had bugged me a couple times before that, you know. Fuck, um, but dude. I just. Yeah.
3: What is that? How many? Uh, I, I don't mean to just out your age, but I, also you are a specimen of man, so it's kind of an accomplishment. <laughs> uh, wh- wh- how many years ago? 23 years ago then?
2: Well, yeah, so I'm 40 years old. I mean, that was wow. uh, 1997. That's yeah, it's
1: crazy that uh, you know that's that's too bad. You had to go through that surgery at seventeen. That's a young age to have to have a knee surgery for sure. You know.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, it, it definitely sucked. You know, and so it definitely wasn't something that I wanted to do or was excited to do. You know, I was you know because then I was like, oh crap. Well, now I can't skate anymore. And so, you know, I mean, when you're that young, you kind of have a a very I don't know naive view of like. You know, things that you could do or should do.
3: Right. Uh, you, and, you don't even have a view at all at 17. It's just like, that's crazy. That's yeah. just a
0: whirlwind of wild right Well, there. everything you think is just uh, all happening very suddenly. Yeah. And like everything has to happen immediately.
3: Oh, yeah. So you want your, you know, so wow, that's just years. a crazy spot to be in right Right there. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I like, don't years. even, you know, like I was pretty young, so I don't even like remember that. I guess I do remember you in the back of like the Oldsmobile or something, you know? yeah yeah yeah
2: exactly so you know but i mean so obviously that was like okay well now i gotta go take care of this so i went and got the surgery and um you know then i was uh like when you have a knee surgery we have an arthroscopic knee surgery it's typically like a six to eight week recovery um and you know for me uh i was kind of just like oh eager to get back out to do things so um I don't think I took my physical therapy very seriously, so I ended up developing some muscle atrophy in my left leg,
3: too. Yeah, yeah. So this this is like... So how did... I, I know obviously it was a long time ago, and obviously being that young, um, you know, your mentality isn't the most solid anyways, but what did that do for you mentally as far as, you know... Were you even thinking like that recovery would be an issue, really? Or were you, you know, like...
2: Well, that's what I mean, kind of like, you know, I don't know. I think... It's, it can vary. It would vary with with different people, you know. I mean, I I don't want to go too far into the weeds of where um, what maybe contributed to my mental state when I was a teenager. But I mean, did I have you know uh, you know men who were super in tune with their physical fitness regularly speaking into my life at that time? Uh, no, I didn't. You know, so I didn't have. I'm not trying to say it was anybody else's fault. I mean, I'll, You have to take responsibility for your own health and your own fitness um you know and i i I like skateboarding because it kind of you know i mean look you look at all the skateboarders pros i mean they're all shredded you know they're they're all
3: in really super good shape because they're running around all day you know yeah they got to keep everything good for sure that's
1: i it's hard for it's crazy when i see guys like uh danny way and uh tony hawk and stuff that still skate the hawk to this day still just and, you know him, and it's dude. like man you guys how do you they they've got to be they're like superhuman almost you know to well, be able any, to do that anyway,
2: actually a really good example i mean that guy's been through the ringer with surgeries and i think oh, specifically yeah. surgeries
1: yeah Boy, i know he hurt his neck too in a surfing accident so no, no joke that dude when he jumped the wall of
3: china he had a broken ankle
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, he had right, a
3: broken yeah. ankle. He right. broke his ankle mm-hmm. completely the day before. The day before, but because yeah. because of what you're saying, like he dealt with so many freaking injuries, he yeah. was like, I don't, whatever. Yeah. Like, and and then, like the story goes, yeah, that it was so bad that he freaking like that. You know, doctors were like, a lesser man wouldn't have been able to you know. to walk, and he freaking <laughs> jumped the great. And how long wall, ago was that? Danny Way okay.
0: is
1: an inspiration. You know, yeah. how long ago Straight was up? that?
3: Oh no dad, I've, I've always loved
2: that guy He's always been like the super Like the super ramp kind of guy Going like big on all the hugest Jumps and stuff So
0: He's broken more bones since then he said, oh, wow. follow him on Instagram. He yeah, said in the documentary that.
1: Uh, he said in the documentary, out of all the injuries he's ever had, the one that almost ended his career was the one that, when he was surfing, right? And he like hit his neck on a reef or oh something under the wave. And then that's what almost ended his career. It wasn't even yeah, It to be something. Like it, was, it was from him doing his bum. hobby because he's just a hobby. He just does surfing as a hobby. He's not a professional surfer, right. you know? Oh my gosh. Anyway, but that's crazy so the the road to
3: recovery after the, after the first one it, it's not i mean yeah and then back then there's no real guidance anyways you know like was physical therapy even a thing in the 90s
2: yeah well i mean it it was for sure but it's it wasn't like i mean one thing i will say that's happened over the last like 10 years and i think tara your wife frankie could you know definitely vouch for this but there's a lot more knowledge of of of, of like the the benefits and the Actually, I would say the the critical necessity of physical therapy and, uh, you know, physical therapists uh, for post surgery recoveries, you know, so um, they're absolutely essential uh, for helping people recover from, you know, even minor surgeries all the way up to like major surgeries. So uh, but if I look back, I mean, I remember going into this, the physical therapy office in Blue Jay. You know, and this is again before the smartphone and MySpace okay, and yeah. Facebook, okay, all that yeah. other stuff. But, um, you know, it's just hey, like. It's still
3: regularly send you to a physical therapist, but there's yes. not this emphasis on physicality, really. It's like.
2: No, no. I mean, now it seems it's more geared sort of like you can go to a place where it's more like sports medicine, quote, unquote, right. where they're like, oh, you're an athlete or you're super active or you're a professional football player. So we have a whole entire physical therapy regimen that we can put you through to treat your specific injury to get you back on the field, you know? So
1: yeah, they've, there's they've, a lot uh, of- they've really gotten more and more advanced with the science of it, it is uh, since the 90s. I mean, it's crazy how much they've They've advanced, right? Is what you're saying since just absolutely.
2: From... I mean, from my from my perspective, I think it is. I I, I think the, the overall general you know practice has always been there, but I think one of the positive utilities of you know social media and the smartphone and all that stuff is that now there's more people being exposed to it, and you can use it for a positive impact. You know, so I think it, it helps educate people to like its value.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: been that's yeah, you, been a critical. It's been cr- absolutely critical in in my own uh, recovery from my. Well, I've had six knee surgeries, so now,
3: yeah. now that's crazy. So I mean, yeah, basically, this recovery thing is huge, and and you know, um, it's a big subject that we always talk about being artists. Um, But I always like to dabble with the injuries. I like to, I love to talk with uh, Tara about, you know, her back injury and her road to recovery and things like that. And, um, also, too, you know, I'm always interested in these stories because I've been fortunate enough to never really suffer a serious injury. So um, it's really I'm always really curious because I've bared witness to people um, just crashing and um, sometimes even passing away just a few years after a serious injury due to diving into drug use, due to, um, you know, uh, not doing the physical therapy route Um so with you and the, the six surgeries within this time, you know, how do you uh, finally, you know, I, I, I guess we don't need to jump forward really too much. Um, we can really just talk about uh, right now, maybe that sure. that recovery, maybe in those initial times, you yeah, know, what so were like- those recoveries like before because I did mention that you're like you know a supreme freaking crossfit athlete so that's awesome um <laughs> frankie's frankie's telling on <laughs> somebody all right so uh but anyways prior to the athletic route route matt can you just share a little bit about what it was like and and you know, kind of like bouncing yeah. your head off the wall maybe with the, with the other options and what finally takes you to this final option, you know, so it can just kind of let your totally. reins free and just kind of, you know, take us through that.
2: Yeah, so I mean I've always like needed a physical outlet so initially I found that in skateboarding uh, I had my first knee surgery and that kind of got taken away from me and I kind of ended up having to go like, alright, well you know, I mean I still like to put around on my skateboard now, but like I had to kind of drop the whole becoming a professional skateboarder type of a dream, you know, and realize like, OK, I need to do something else. So I had my first knee surgery. I ended up getting diagnosed with an actual condition uh, called osteochondritis dissecans, And that the condition affects the blood supply to the articular cartilage in your. knee And the articular cartilage in your knee joint is the super squishy soft stuff that actually cushions your your joint and so what it does is that it basically affects the blood supply to that and it causes it to become weak and brittle and it breaks the knee joint and then when it does break off you have to go in there and they have to remove it with you know a surgeon has to remove it so uh you know at that time I was just like oh man this sucks so you know I I, I kind of stopped skateboarding and. I started going to rave parties and kind of started getting into some, you know, traveling down some roads that, like, led me into some some drug usage and hanging around with people that were, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't have, like, these crazy regrets or anything, but it's just, like, when I look back, I go, oh, wow, like, this is the road you took, and these are the choices that you made, and then this is where you ended up as a result of those.
3: Yeah, do you and think so, that that was directly connected to the injury?
2: Well, I wouldn't say it was, connected. it was more the injury was more of like a fork in the road. It was more like a catalyst to say, OK, you got a couple directions. You can travel now forward, yeah. you know, because really only one way to move in life anyways. Yeah. Is straight ahead, you know? Yeah. And so you know, you're either going to go down this road or that road. But if we all make our choices in life. Right. And so uh, um, it was definitely a catalyst. I mean, it definitely was like I had to. Except like, oh, I'm going to go down, I'm going to do this now, you know, I'm going to try to do something else. So
3: yeah. well, at um, a, before a certain age, you know, dude, like if you if something like that happens, yeah, it, it can it, it, if you're in your teens, fucking early 20s, it's so crazy, you know, like, oh, my God, Yeah. I, I felt like I went off the rail a, a couple of times, you know, over just tiny little shit. So if you're if you're suffering something catastrophic, like, a, you know, hearing some news, like, you know, like degenerative this and and stuff like that discouraging stuff you know it's pretty wild you know? yeah
2: it can really jack you up mentally you know and like um there's this uh there's this guy named carl Jung and he said that
1: oh, carl life really oh yeah to... i have i, I know carl Jung, definitely mm-hmm.
2: well they, one of the one of the most poignant quotes and turning 40 really kind of messes with your head a little bit too like it can mess with it in a positive way or, or, or a negative way if you let it i suppose but i read this quote and my wife was like, "Hey, you can't have a mental uh, life, a midlife crisis until you're like at least forty-three, because that's mid- middle aged
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was totally kidding, right? But yeah. I was just like, "Okay, honey, that's fine." And so, I always like to read philosophy and stuff like that. So he has a, he has a, a, a really insightful quote, and he says basically that life really begins at forty, and then everything else before that is just experimentation.
0: Right.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. If I look at the last, you know, 20 years of my life from my surgery, my first surgery when I was 17, I had the second one when I was 23, and then I had another one when I was at 28, then I had another one at 34, and then another one at 37, that was my partial knee My my partial knee replacement was at 37. Um, and they were all, every single one of them, when I went into the doctor, they're like, oh, yeah, this is from the OCD of the knee. OCD of the knee is kind of like a har-har-har OCD, you know, like people like to crack a joke about the about the the abbreviation of it.
0: But I was just thinking it just must mean something else. What does OCD <laughs> of the knee mean?
2: Right, yeah, so yeah. it, it it's basically stands for osteochondritis, but so, I mean, wow, yeah. that definitely all contributed, though, to, like, me having to like I, ha- I had to develop a mindset of like okay like you keep getting set back with these surgeries Matt you know and I would look at my leg you know I'd stand in front of a mirror look at my legs and like my right leg's a normal sized leg you know and then look at my left leg and there's like it's severely atrophied because I never I didn't take my physical therapy seriously for the first three sur- surgeries and that really really jacked me up you know yeah, that really I- set me back a lot
1: I can relate to that because I, when I broke my leg, my right leg in a car accident, uh, I had trouble. I had an, I had medical insurance and everything, but I went through all sorts of uh, issues with that, and uh, and I'm not going to get into any of that. But what happened was that they only paid for a small part, a small portion of physical therapy. I think I went like for a month or maybe a month and a half, and then. As soon as the insurance cut it off, I never went and did any at all, you know. And I can tell yeah. my right leg, it's never gotten at all gotten back to the, the way it was before, you know. It's uh, Yeah,
2: well, so that can, like, really make you, like, for me personally, like, when I stand in front of the mirror, you know, it's, I've always been in the... Uh, uh, interested in like weightlifting and weight training and stuff like even since junior high school so and i've kind of been in and out of gyms my whole entire life yeah, but i, mean, I never I, really started taking it seriously yeah, until i like,
3: really hard and then freaking yeah yeah
2: and, well i met my wife right and then she was like pretty fit herself when i very first met her in fact she was really fit and she had been you know played soccer and then her dad was very very fit himself and Fitness was a regular part of his life. So, you know, I started hanging around other people that were taking their, their, their health and their fitness uh, very seriously and in, in pursuing it at a high level. And so, you know, I, I kind of had to decide, like, okay, Matt, like, if you want your knee, if you want your leg to be even remotely close, to this, your left leg, you know, the atrophied leg, to be remotely the same size as your right leg, well, then you're going to really have to start dialing some things in. You're going to have to take you know, these things seriously, and specifically, you know, your physical therapy, and and that all came to a head um, uh, in 2000, and I would say, what is it, 2016, I had the first surgery on my right knee, because I've only had one on my right knee, the other surgeries were all on my left knee. And um, I ended up having a partial knee replacement on my left knee in 2018. And that, like, ever since then, it's been literally the best thing that I've ever done. Um, And I was only 38, too, so that's very young for a knee knee replacement candidate. Like, most people get knee replacements, even partials. You know, they're in their 60s and 70s, and they're just, like, old people who just want to keep playing tennis and golf and stuff, but... Yeah. And most, a lot of orthopedic surgeons, they won't even, they're like, hey, look, man, sorry, like, we can do this surgery, we can do this surgery, but if you do a knee replacement, you know, you're going to need another one when you're 55 and all this stuff. And so for those reasons, I always ended up just having arthroscopic knee surgeries, which are basically, they just come in and scrape your knee and clean out all the debris and then sell you back up. And that buys you a couple years, you know, but again, you got to take your physical therapy seriously. And so, um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how far up in the weeds I got from your question, Frankie. I'm just kind of ju- just.
3: No, talking. no, no, That's the idea is to, uh, you know, just. I, I wanted to kind of be in in that gray area before we hit, you know, kind of where you focused in, dialed in. I think a huge help too is is, uh, so like everything's like an upgrade, you know, too, you know, so. It's kind of like this thing. You start, you go to Blue Jay Therapy, no knock on them, but, you know, they only have a certain amount of tools. And then jump forward a few years later, then then the next doctor has a certain amount of tools, and then you're gathering a certain amount of of advice from, from these people. And like you were mentioning about once you meet Victoria, you know, like, and then you get into this mindset, too, because... Um, being around somebody like Rich, who who was just smashing the lake on his fucking kayak at like you know like sixty miles an hour, and like there was dudes like really? wakeboarding wow. behind him, yeah, like would, wakeboarding
1: yeah. behind him, he would
3: fucking him. tow people. He's on he's he's on the kayak and he's got like two kids, the double skiing. No, I'm just but uh, he really would like it was it was it was a thing. So anyways, when you do obviously meet that. partner you know who does motivate you that helps a lot too um so there's these steps there's these elevated steps to recovery and it seems like each time you have a choice guys you know um you can either take the high road or you can you know but also then not settling too you know um i would say uh you know us uh sparkmans we uh we would shoot high. We would aim high with our partners. Maybe a little bit even out of our league. You would say, "Huh, Matt?" <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, I definitely, um, I definitely scored when I met my wife. You know, and, yeah. and married into her family. You know, like they've been a tremendous, tremendous blessing to me in in in, in every way possible. So, uh, and and most importantly, just in my mental mentality and the way I think. You know, about life and the way I think about myself, uh, the, you know, how I believe what I'm capable of achieving and actually setting out to do those things, you know. So it's uh, I think uh, someone said it recently, but you're, you know, you're the clo- you, you are the, the the five closest people to you. Like you're basically the five friends that you have that are your closest. That's how you're going to be in life. So I try to keep my uh, my circle uh, especially now, I mean, when I was younger, I kind of casted a wide net about people that I kind of you know, hung around with and led into my life. But now I kind of keep a very small circle of close friends and family, and I don't really venture out from that, you know, because I I want to be surrounded by positive people who are going to speak life into me and um, and you know encourage me and and help me to stay uh, you know um, disciplined and you know hold me accountable in a number of different areas of life because you know that's that's what I want ultimately for my children so uh it's,
1: it's it's a it's a nice thing. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. yeah, man. Absolutely, I, I agree with that 100%. Absolutely.
3: So I mean, it, it, so boom, there it is. It's the same exact thing for me, man. That's why I wanted to hear a little bit about that because it's the same thing for me. You know, when I met Tara and her family, and her dad took me in the the woods into the Sierras for 72 miles and weeks in a backpack, you know, and fucking changed my life. You know, it was uh, it's incredible. Yeah.
2: Like, if you really, if you, like, if you zoom out on that experience, you know, Frankie, and you look at it, like, almost like a rite of passage, you know, like, if you consider, let's just consider it from just an American perspective, for example, like, look at other cultures around the world and how the young men are, how they become men, you know, right. like, what, what, what makes a boy become a man, you know, like, right. right. Usually, in the, in all these cultures around the world, they got these crazy-ass rites of passage. So I'm not saying Americans should adopt, like, you know, jumping off trees with, you know, vines tied around their ankles or some shit. But, like, <laughs> those, types, those types of things are actually, like, rites of passage. So it's not to say I don't want to discount them as, like—like, like to me, I look at that and go, okay, there's a certain level of wisdom in that, you know? And there's something that Americans— kind of lack you know so we don't um what's our right of what right of passage do young men have in america other than like video games and like other things like you kind of have to figure it out yourself so like i i think going on a hike in the sierras for that what you did that's incredible so there's you know,
3: because... this funny thing matt about that and I, I think i told you about this before there is the backside there's the there's the route up mount whitney right which is the tallest one in the continental us tallest mountain um and i believe the tallest mountain in the united states is in alaska
1: right that's correct i believe yes
3: but uh okay. but anyways the the tallest mountain around mount whitney so there's the the ta- there's the 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 side you earn which takes like a week. It's just oh my god! It's so many miles. It's so grueling, and that's what what we took, you know. But then there's this thing. There's like this thing where you just go like right up Whitney that they did for tourists. Like it's 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 wild, dude. So but yeah, it's a, that's like one. That's almost, like, yeah. I think it's a day hike.
1: But then the other one is the one you went on, yeah. right? Though.
3: Forgive me if I'm if I'm misinterpreting that part. Uh, maybe somebody in all their REI gear and their uh like anyways what what would happen was is there was this clash of these completely fresh people and then this clash of these people that had earned it you know and <laughs> um not to say that you didn't earn it i mean it's still fucking mount whitney but like uh anyways there's there is there's this there's this funny thing uh about earning things where uh, Oh, it's
2: interesting like you 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 go up the mountain And then you come off the mountain and the person you were when you were at the beginning of that journey is going to be different than the person that you are after the journey because then you have that experience behind you. So uh, I'll talk about this a little bit later, you know after like I kind of get through what you wanted to talk wanted me to talk about with my crossword journey and all that stuff yeah but- I was
3: gonna say because you guys just did like a super legit hike and like goddamn you know how much how great that must have felt you know that that in itself after all the surgeries and stuff but yeah yeah take us into you know so, so you you know you you meet your wife and stuff her dad's also a, like an amazing doctor so he's able to give you some advice I imagine too but then even still you know there's this uh, kind of back and forth recovery with the knee right
2: yeah so i mean i definitely had to battle through that you know it's like okay i get into the gym and then uh the the surgery i had before my knee replacement i was literally just like i had just started a new job and um it was actually at this drone factory like you know like uh, the remote controlled drones and i was gonna i was building drones at this shop in orange county and so we had this uh drone that we were gonna go out and test and we he had three other drones and he was like flying them around and just kind of like i was in the background and i went to crouch down to take a little bit of video of it and actually have this moment on video and uh i just crouched down into like a seated spot position with my iphone camera and then i went to stand up and apparently when the the doctor told me afterwards Apparently my one of my ligaments caught mm. a loose a loose piece of bone off oh my, my, femur, oh my femur where my femur it's the so knee horrible. joint like a guitar.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, dude, and it straight up plucked it off, bro. And so it's like, oh, oh, uh, like a quarter inch piece, like a nickel sized piece of uh, of bone broke off of my femur into my knee joint.
1: Oh my that must gosh. have been excruciating.
2: Well, and I literally went like, "Oh shit!" and uh, on the video. Oh. And then I couldn't walk, and I was like, I couldn't straighten my knee, and then I was like, oh, wow, like, this is a serious thing, you know, so, and I oh, I kind of knew from my previous four knee surgeries that um, whenever I have a, a, a knee problem that requires a surgery, something like that will happen, some sort of event where, like, you know, like, when I was 17... I woke up in the morning, my knee looked like a grapefruit. The next time I had a freaking surgery after that, like, you know, I, I was limping around. I had severe pain, throbbing pain, what have you. There was always some sort of indicator that said, hey, you need to go to the doctor. And so that, that time was like a pretty serious one. But I went there and uh, they ended up telling me like, oh, yeah, you got this. You know, you got to have surgery. Another one.
3: So- so after that surgery, is that when you meet, like, the super legit uh, doctor? Because I remember at some point you, re- you you met, like, this this badass of, uh, like, yeah, so guy that, that kind of...
2: So I had that surgery, and, um, and when was it? I think, no, it was, I'm sorry. It was 2014, now I remember. Okay. I believe it was the date. was It was 2014, and I, it really pissed me off, that surgery, because Hurricane Marie was coming up from... Uh, and the Gulf of Mexico, and it was pushing this south swell, and all of the Southern California beaches were just absolutely firing with like double overhead surf. The wedge was just like absolutely just like massive, massive wedge. The Newport Harbor was breaking, which is really, really super rare for waves to break inside the, the harbor right there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so,
0: surf, it, Matt.
2: Well, I body surf, so, I, I mean, I That's have have surfed before, I can, you know, paddle out and duck dive and all that fine. stuff, but surfing is very, very difficult, you know?
0: Yeah, it really is. You gotta...
2: Yeah, so, it. I've always liked body surfing, but I remember that weekend specifically being bummed out about my knee surgery, and maybe it was a gift, maybe, maybe, who knows, you know, maybe if I didn't injure my knee that weekend, I would've went out somewhere, and, you know, I could've drowned, or who knows, you know, maybe it was, you know, That's the yeah, me yeah. or something.
0: Right. So, what do we, squat the way. Perfect.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, so that, that one, I had that surgery. And then, um, that was the first knee surgery I had on my right leg, on my big leg. I call it my tank leg. And, uh, so I recovered okay from that. And then I went about, you know, I don't know, we say four years. And then this is, uh, when I was living, my, my wife and family, we all moved out to Phoenix and I was running tower cranes and, phoenix and i was on this uh 400 footer uh so you're doing South,
0: pretty South South good organic.
3: though like when you st- when you started the tower crane thing was it was it bothering you at all at that at that point you had recovered from another surgery i mean
2: it did but a lot of times with knee injuries you end up just kind of stuffing pain down you know and uh, i did that Yeah, because you of
3: have to fucking walk that's the thing you have to fucking walk yeah the yeah,
0: walk.
2: yeah. Yep. yeah. And then you got to function and you got to do stuff and right. so i didn't end- just ignoring a lot of the pain a lot of times just dealing with it popping some Advil or whatever you know mm-hmm. and um, even even back in those days occasionally you know i would you know get some get some Vicodin or whatever so and that's another thing i've had to watch out for too is cuz bro well, i'm just a just a rewind real quick when i was 17 when i had my first knee surgery and this is crazy to me that the doctor did that but he prescribed me 150 pills um, a Vicodin, and they were like good, like high powered
1: Vicodin 17. Years <laughs> old, 17 that's fucking yeah, those that cool. things were different bro. in and, 1997. And,
2: and I had multiple refills on it, too. So it was like, and I just remember eating them like candy because I, for me, I was like, oh, these are great. I love the way this makes me feel. Yeah, and wow. so I've had to really watch out myself personally on just like developing an addiction to opiates you know and so that was another factor in me like really understanding like hey you know because there's a opiate epidemic and all that stuff and i've i've had multiple friends overdose and i know people who have died from overdoses and you know you know that mountain uh fellas you know we we, we all know we have friends up there who have uh you know made some really big, Bad decisions, unfortunately, and some of them well, paid with their lives, you know. So yeah, it's unreal, it's true.
3: unreal the amount, but you know, it's like crazy because it's the small town thing. But when you look back on everybody we grew up with, you know, it's a crazy amount. And then it is that, too, you know, we're you know, I, like not to be he- too heavy on that subject, but it is like the, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies not giving a fuck and just serving people up not these drugs, you know. Well, that's how but, it was in the late
1: 90s, yeah. early 2000s, yeah. Is, um. And then like, well, well, I'm mean. like, um, like, it was crazy. Like, I, I still I can't, can't believe really
2: the doctor would just prescribe me 150 pills with multiple refills. Yeah,
1: you no, know? Know, that's crazy. Yeah, you're.
3: I mean, yeah, it just puts you at high risk for for you know addiction, some people you can know start with, a with, but that without way. anybody, but without <laughs> the you know, it's like that. You're just what is that? It's like fishing, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> you're just yeah. hooked. To it. Yeah. So but, so like
2: so any, basically, I started you know. Uh, when I, when I moved out to Phoenix, I was running, I got back into tower crane work in 2015. I got my, my, my license to run towers and, uh, I was running, I ran a tower crane in Irvine, California for about a year. And, uh, this was, um, Uh, Right after my knee surgery, my my last knee surgery, right after that, the Hurricane Marie swell, or you call it the Hurricane Marie knee surgery. Um, And uh, so I after I recovered from that, I got back into the seat of a tower crane, ran a crane for about a year. And then I got hired with a crane outfit in Phoenix. And then my wife wanted to go back to school. And my, father, my in-laws moved out to Scottsdale. And so I said, okay, well, let's go out there, you know. We'll, we'll move out. We'll move out of California and we'll, we'll take up residency in Arizona. So we did. And uh, I ran hard and multiple, like, probably, like, I don't know, eight different types of cranes. Uh, and the highest one was 400 feet. And then, but you're climbing that thing every day and you're climbing down it.
1: You climbed and, uh, up 400 feet?
2: Yeah, yeah, yep.
1: But up a ladder? Uh,
2: yeah, you got to climb up 20-foot sections, and then there's, like, a platform at each 20-foot, and then you just climb. You, you, there's, like, a spot to rest. Wow. Some of the cranes, like, there's a straight shot, and those ones are, like, like there's a specific brand that has just a, a straight shot climb
1: um well i still remember i still remember a a picture that you posted on facebook or something years ago was like my daily climb and i'll I'll never forget the picture of that ladder thinking man that's a big ladder so
3: so right now right now and then at the at the end when we wrap up too we'll plug uh what is you have a different uh instagram right i i said go to to matt sparkman's facebook and 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 uh and check out like for the photography and stuff but um what is the, the, the plug for that?
2: Uh, it's basically just M Sparkman thirteen. That's my that's my my regular uh Instagram it's just pictures of my kids and wife and stuff. And there's there's some crane shots up there.
3: Yeah, but you're um, an amazing photographer, that's the thing. Like professional. So um <laughs> not sorry. like professional, but like a professional <laughs> photographer. Like you've shot weddings and shit. Aren't you so. a good golfer too? Yeah. Oh good? no.
2: i mean i can sometimes well you're a natural golfer too flattering no (laughs) because
0: aren't you that's the idea here dude just unbridledly
3: kind yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah, but i I try to be you know i mean i don't know i'm just i'm mediocre at best on the golf course but
3: how'd you do uh, the other day well i saw you were golfing yesterday how'd you do
2: we did great on the front and then we started drinking beer and then it just kind of all fell apart on the back
3: so <laughs> like like matt and matt as in we sometimes i speak in we too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, like you know we, we in, did man. okay and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple drinks <laughs> yeah so that's awesome it, Fuck yeah
2: but to kind of just like wrap up my whole knee, knee surgery experience so in 2017 I was, I was on a 400-foot tower crane, the tallest crane that I ever ran, mm-hmm. and, uh, man, I, I was getting like four hours of sleep at night just because I was running so hard on my job. The job is very demanding on your time, you know, so I'd be up there 14, 15 hours a day running running double shifts, and, um, you know, and it just is what it is because the schedule ha- has its demands, and you have to meet that as a crane operator, so, um, but... When I would get off the crane and I'd try to sleep, man, my knee was just, boom, oh, it just, there was this deep, throbbing pain, and I was like, oh, great, I just, I know that feeling, I know that pain, because I've been there before, and I've had, you know, a ton of experience with this, so it's time for me to go see the doctor. And uh, sure enough, I go and he's like, look, man, look at this x-ray. And he shows me. And so I don't know if you've ever, if you guys have ever seen like a, t- a car that with its tires out of alignment, how the one side will be like good tread and the other side will be good, uh, like totally worn bald. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what my x-ray hmm. looked like. So you could see on one side, the right side of my knee, there's like this perfect, pristine articular cartilage, which is normal, what you want to see. And a healthy knee. On the left side, it was straight bone on bone. And you could see it was all, like, there's all these bone spurs and, like, it's all jagged and there's no smooth edges. It's not rounded. And they're like, look, man, you're 38 and and we don't want to give you a surgery, but you kind of, this pain is not going to go away and it's not going to, it's just going to get worse from here. So my doctor, this guy who just so happened to be uh, the orthopedic surgeon for the Arizona Cardinals. And I think that answers your question where you were saying earlier, Frankie. Boom. Um, And Mm. he worked for Arizona sports medicine. And so I was like, hell yeah. And at that time I was doing CrossFit, trying to do it as regularly as I could, but I was still struggling with my weight, you know, and I've kind of yo-yoed back and forth with my weight and I'll, I'll get that out in just a second. But my weight's always been a battle for me, but I had that surgery. Uh, I met met Dr. Um, Dr. Tarlo, and uh, and his crew. Dr. Friedberg. Dr. Friedberg is actually the one who who treats the Arizona Cardinals, but he also treats the Oakland Athletics and uh, a couple other professional sports teams. So whenever you know a professional athlete has a knee problem or shoulder issue, they go see these guys because they're their whole entire Uh, you know, philosophy is like, you can still be super fit, super physically active, and then have the, and have these types of surgeries, and then go return to what you love to do, and so that was my whole thinking, because, like, again, when I met my wife, I knew I had to take my fitness seriously, and so I found, you know, I was in and out of the gym, lifting weights, but I ended up finding CrossFit, (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm kind of jumping around here too. I hope all this makes sense at the no, end of it. No, it's
3: perfect. No, this is exactly it. You're you're tying it all together perfectly.
1: It's coming together.
2: Yeah. So, but I. So, I, what what appealed to Cro what made CrossFit so appealing to me was it was easy to find workout buddies. I don't know if you've ever tried to find a gym partner. Somebody who would regularly show up with you and be like, okay, let's go train today, bro. All right. Everybody's always got an excuse why they can't hit the gym. So
3: I'm always whining I, to Tara because like, nobody ever runs with me and it sucks.
2: Yeah. yeah so you end up community. going by yourself and yeah. it's hard to stay motivated when you're just all alone all the time. You it know, it's like, a lot of discipline. Yeah. Humans, we're, we're we're meant to be in community with each other and yeah. one way or another. It might not be doesn't have to be a huge community, Ooh. but we need a, some sort of, like, interaction with other people, other humans to feel like we're, you
3: know, So, dude, what alive, I was talking about, I, too, at the very beginning was um, the fact that something like what CrossFit also offers you. I mean, and this is something, too, though. I, I don't think that that us personally have ever battled with maybe an outgoing personality or something like that, or having maybe an issue in a social situation? No, we're definitely... Yeah, you know, maybe a little bit of normal social anxiety. But um, anyways, what I'm getting to is the fact that like, I'm sure uh, and you can vouch to this when you start something like CrossFit, it's so fucking hard and it's so difficult at points that once you do engage in regular life or, or just, you know, a, a conversation, you can really be like just super comfortable, you know, and um and, and it's it makes a lot of things a lot easier, you know, you know, even those experience like we were talking about earlier. Earlier, like a, a hike, or uh, you know, just pressing yourself physically, you know, even sometimes, yeah, mentally, you know, I guess. most
1: of the things that make you feel better in life take discipline to there you like, get into yeah. get get uh, well, it, uh into a daily routine.
2: It, it's yeah. just a matter of like starting something, getting through it, and then finish, it, and then the, the 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 sense of accomplishment, reward, it mentally from that. I mean, not even the physical aspects are are, are apparent, but. What it does to you mentally is is it, it's just as valuable as the physical aspect of it, if not more so, because that mental aspect gets into all other areas of your life. So uh, it's really, you know, it can be very, very life changing, transform, transforming. You know, so
3: yeah, I, I think I'm, a lot of people don't make that connection ever. I think, and and I I'm just u- using uh, you know. A, physical activity is this example but if you push yourself like really 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 push yourself um in these types of situations it can really add to like a fluidity in all aspects. Like you're saying, like you can engage in conversations and and interject yourself in ways you've never thought possible just because of the fact you're, well, like I was using jujitsu as an example. Like I'm not getting choked out. I would always say that. I'm like, I'm not getting choked out right now. Like, so whatever this person says to me, I can roll with that, you know, cause I'm not getting legs wrapped around my face right now, you know, like shit like that. So well, that's a, um,
2: that's a great example too. Cause I mean, jujitsu is obviously also mm-hmm. very heavily community oriented, you know, and, uh, I've never personally taken a jujitsu class because I'm kind of, to be honest with you, I'm kind of intimidated by it because again, uh, I, I carry this mental weight around, of Oh, I, my knee's going to hold up. So I've kind of never really jumped into do the whole jujitsu thing. It to
1: a lot of knee problems too. Jiu-jitsu dudes have fucking torn up knees. Oh, so it's not really the best. Probably wouldn't be the best thing for you, Matt. Yeah. Well, a, a
3: strictly jujitsu thing, None you end up like uh, using a lot of like kind of these butterfly guards and weird things with your legs more so. I I always came from wrestling and then doing jujitsu. I would I would utilize wrestling and then a little bit of like upper body jiu-jitsu you could call it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyways I, yeah yeah
2: so when i so i you know when i turned when i turned 30 basically and i was like me and victoria had already been married for a couple of years i'd made a decision i was like okay you're 30 years old matt you got 10 years like you're 40, so step up your physical game, you know, like start taking your physical fitness more seriously, and so I started weight training and I made it And made it a point, I basically made it a point to say, hey, look, you're going to actually budget amount of money every month so you can spend on, like, a, a, um, a membership to a gym. And so I started paying for memberships to the gym, and, you know, if you pay for it, you're kind of a little bit more motivated to go, and so I did that, and I got. I, I developed some relative success. Was that, that you
3: know, now out to a CrossFit gym?
2: Well, that's what happened. So I I got kind of bored with just regular old
3: weight okay, training. Okay, got gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
2: And so, but then I've discovered, and I hadn't even heard about CrossFit before this, you know, and, or even the Olympic weightlifting, like the the clean and jerk, the snatch, um, some power cleans, all those all those heavy weightlifting movements that you see in the Olympics. I
3: heard the about the Olympics. snatch.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, <laughs> I know.
0: <That's> <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh,
2: I heard All you right. got a really, bad match, you know, it's always a joke, but, um, yeah, so I had never seen these movements performed. And then I saw this guy in the gym that I was working out in New Jersey. Cause me and Victoria lived in Jersey for three years. Um, And I was like, holy shit, that looks amazing. That like that looks like a lot of fun. And it's not just bench pressing and it's not arm curls. It's like he has to do this whole entire setup and just to get this barbell with weights on the side over his head, you know, he made it look so easy. And then I went to try to do it and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is really difficult And so I was immediately hooked because I was like, I have to learn how to do this. And um at that point, I was really kind of just getting bored and lonely. That was the word I use all the time. I was lonely. Nobody could work out with me uh, regularly, and it was always like I was just bored with it. So I was like, I needed something different. I needed a change. And then I discovered Olympic weightlifting, and then I found CrossFit, which incorporates the Olympic lifts: the clean and jerk, the press, the the snatch the power clean, and um, all these gymnastics movements like ring work and pull-ups and all these other different things, mostly just pressing and pulling. But I discovered these CrossFit workouts, and I said, oh, wow, there's a whole group of people in this class. There's 10 people, and there's one coach, and there's all these people in a class doing the same exact thing.
3: I love being coached.
1: Hey, Mac, uh, let it's me ask my you, would you, things. Would you uh, recommend people just like average people like me to just go join a crossfit class like dude absolutely bro not even not even ever go to the gym in my life just like
2: absolutely so I, i don't want to dismiss like an introvert here because like frankie said earlier like we're extroverted i am absolutely extroverted i actually need to be uh interacting with people in some sort of setting on a fairly regular basis. But then, like, it's interesting because I'm kind of both. I'm introverted and I'm extroverted. Do you still just call a bunch of your friends all randomly, Matt? Mm -hmm.
3: What's that? Do you still just call a bunch of your friends all randomly, like when you have a little downtime?
2: Yeah, you know, exactly. I'll get I'll call. Now now we're all lazy, right? So we just instant message
3: them. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. No, I just remember that growing up. I always, like, uh, super admired that about you. You would just, like, I remember if we had a Saturday, Matt would just, like, be, like, call, like, at least five of his friends and just be like, what's uh, up, dude?
1: I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Like you were saying earlier, Matt, about, uh, you know, as you get older, you realize do you most people most adults uh, with families? I think as they get older, they realize they only have like a small handful of close circles friends. get smaller, man. And some of my closest friends don't even live in California, so like I think it's a good exactly. idea sometimes to just pick up the phone and give them a call. And that and most of them do the same for me. You yeah. know, it's a good idea. No, there's no
2: question. You know, there's no question. And, and and Tom, you know, I would I would anybody who listens to this, I would say, if you want to find a community of people. Who are at all kinds of different levels, and it, like CrossFit can be intimidating because I think a lot of people have this image of this super jack shredded guy in there who's you know snatching 225 pounds, which is extremely a high level of the, of CrossFit. Like, most your average CrossFitter is is not going to be able to snatch 225 pounds. I've been doing CrossFit for eight years, and I can you know my my, my, my that's my heart that's the hardest movement for me I've got a lot of mobility issues and stuff like that that I'm still working on but it, are you able will, to say
3: how much you snatch
2: uh, 155 that's my that's my, that's my
3: wow yeah. that's a that's a good size per- I think that's drew I think you could snatch drew. 155 you yeah. <laughs> said
0: 155 no i just joking I weigh 156 right now do you yeah I weigh 156 oh, see? there you go bummed there out at the, at the doctor the other day when they told me you could totally snatch uh, like, Drew wow. Matt that's yeah. awesome yeah, snatch me up that's badass uh,
3: though is that all of that's the a the lot of shred- fucking weight man <laughs> Jesus alright yeah, sorry well, all the shredded
2: guys aside you know like all of the, the, if you just, if you minus the intimidation factor, if you're able to get over the intimidation initially that you might or may not experience when you go into a CrossFit gym, it, everything is scalable. So just because the prescribed workout, let's just say, is using a 135 pound bar, right? You might be doing like, you know, uh, a hero watt, for example, or the, where you're doing like 30 power cleans of, with 135 pounds for time, right? Right. Um, and so, but you don't have to go in there and do 135 pounds with, with, at 30 reps. You can use 65 pounds because you, you might not be able to perform that movement proficiently. So. All of these uh, everything is it's, it's all scalable is what I'm saying is you can scale everything to your own level and to the amount of weights that you yourself could can lift at that at that point. And then you slowly progress, you slowly get better, you slowly get stronger, you slowly start to build muscle as you're dialing in your nutrition and
3: because really it's just you against you you know unless of course you got you know you really want to put yourself against the um, other people but essentially you're just really just trying to better those numbers for yourself right
2: well absolutely so one of my favorite quotes uh is from a a well-known um clinical psychologist named jordan peterson he says compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today so um that's my mm-hmm. philosophy of life That's is I you know word. I understand there's other people mm-hmm. out there doing their thing and stuff but I'm always constantly comparing myself to who I was yesterday and not to anybody else because like, if you get in it, if you start comparing yourself to everybody else all the time then you're just going to beat the shit out of yourself mm-hmm. unnecessarily you know and then you're never going to grow as a as mentally you're never going to grow physically you're just going to always be stuck on what everybody else is doing and 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 not being able to focus on like what you need personally you know and so that's been a, a huge help for me but um so you know earlier this year i'll just i'll, I'll say I'll, i want to talk about my my grand canyon hike experience I, uh, everybody kind of put on a little bit of weight during COVID. i think everyone they call it the COVID 15 or COVID 50 uh whatever <laughs> depends on on how hard you went um in your pantry during the lockdowns, I right? Went
0: real hard. I felt like I gained weight and then according to the scale the other day at the doctor, nothing. Mm. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And I've completely yeah, see, so. changed body wise. Yeah. My shape is different. I'm rounder. I'm soft and mm-hmm. I went up like You're up. preparing for motherhood. I went up a single pound, maybe. <laughs> like are you single? nesting? Pound. <laughs> Do you find yourself nesting? Are you really cleaning uh, a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with all the trash of the, the food, the garbage food that i eat.
2: A little weepy?
0: Yeah. So, but I weighed in
2: uh, on the New Year of this year.
0: Go ahead. Yeah.
2: At like 206 pounds, you know, and that's pretty rotund for me, you know. Like, I don't, I can lift a lot more weight when I'm I'm heavier because mass moves mass, right? But I was like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, oh man, like I just was not happy with what I was looking at, and so. You know i know a little bit about nutrition and macronutrients and so i understand like if i just if i track everything that i eat right if i track all my calories if i track my protein my carbs and my fats and i literally track every single bite of food that i eat i can control my weight i can control what my body looks like and i can actually transform it over a certain period of time maybe even less than a lot of people think like for me it was three months so I had committed to hiking the Grand Canyon in May uh, with a group of people, it was like 20, I think 25 of us. Um, And it's a rim to rim hike. And so we drove up to North Kaibab. It's the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. And then we, and then you hike from the North Rim to the South Rim and it's 24 miles. And uh, so I was like, holy shit, like that looks amazing, but I don't know if I could do that. You know, it seems really difficult. And then everybody's like, oh, don't worry, man, you could do it. And there's people who are like, you know, 40, 50 pounds overweight and they do it. They just Is take it their time. Is 24
3: miles uh, round trip or uh, one, one way? Okay. Yeah, it's man. So, yeah. so you're talking about 48 miles. Wow. Well, you just
1: go one way, right? Or did you yeah, go exactly. there and so, you There's other way. people one that
3: way. will do a
2: rim to rim to rim. Oh, oh I got gotcha. you. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So
2: I, I thought just you had to hike down,
3: down and fucking hike out. I'm fucking retarded. Sorry.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we just did a rim to rim hike, you know, Canceled. so mm-hmm. but you when you going into the Grand Canyon is no joke, you know, people die hiking into the Grand Canyon because they think and I think this kind of relates to what you were saying earlier, Frankie, about these people you would encounter on Mount Whitney where they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they just think that they're doing something because they like maybe hiked a couple miles up the mountain or something. Yeah. But then you realize, then they're looking at you, and you're covered in filth and dirt because you've been hiking all day. Where they're, you know, their shoes are clean, and you're like, hey, look, we had a different experience on this mountain, and yours probably wasn't as strenuous as mine.
3: You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit so, different journey that, there.
2: Yeah, well, that's what ends up happening in the Grand Canyon. But a lot of these people, they come and they just want to take a picture on the rim of the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. and they don't hike in it, into into the canyon like we did. So apparently, only one percent of it, all visitors, one percent, do a rim to rim hike, or even actually go into the canyon like we did. So
1: yeah, I would um, believe that. That's badass. Or, yeah, I, I've always yeah, so, wanted. To do, I've always wanted to do it, though. I'm gonna do it one day. It must to have hike been no, the right? Grand Canyon. Yeah, to go down into it. I'll yeah. go. Let's go. I, I want to do, do it. Go, well, do it. It is
2: absolutely phenomenal. It's it's such a beautiful hike. And so, but I had, I had studied about it. I'd read about it. I'd read people's experiences. I, you know, I went to the national parks website. I read all the Rangers warnings about the, the temperature changes. So like you can get in the hottest months of the grand Canyon, you get to the grand Canyon floor and the temperature difference can be, you know, 30 degrees higher. So it can be 115 degrees, um, at phantom ranch, which is the midway point. And, uh, You know, if you're not properly hydrated, bro, and you've been hiking, um, you know, ten miles, like you can literally die from dehydration. Yeah, Uh, yeah. you know, and so you really, really have to pay attention to, you know, your hydration and your salt levels and all these different things that can affect how you feel physically while you're on that hike. And uh, so, I was 200 pounds on this this New Year's. I had three months to get. Ready in physically good physical shape, so I can hike this the canyon. And so I went and I did a, a weight cut with Renaissance periodization. And this is a little bit of a plug here. There's a number of different ways for a person to lose weight, but the overarching philosophy that I would just say here is that you got to find a way, whether that's keto or you know Renaissance periodization or uh, Whole 30 or you know Paleo diet, whatever. The point is, is that at the end of the day, if you are a 200-pound man and you go from 200 pounds to 180 pounds and you consistently lost weight and in, let's say, two months, you were putting yourself into a caloric deficit and you're basically eating less food and then burning more calories. So you're, you're burning more calories than you're consuming, so you're going to drop weight. And the same principle applies if you want to gain weight. You eat more calories and then, and then you burn. And so you put yourself in a caloric surplus. If you want to put on muscle mass, that's how you do it. It's a surplus. It's it's very simple. People complicate the shit out of it and say you shouldn't eat this food or that food, and they want to eliminate whole entire food groups. Now, I'm not a a nutritionist, so if you do have, like, a legitimate disease or condition that requires you to have – Very specific dietary needs, then yes, absolutely, you need to pay attention to that and you need to follow the instructions of your nutritionist. But most people, your average person, you know, who's 20 pounds overweight, 30 pounds overweight, whatever, wants to lose a little bit of weight, he just needs to put himself into a caloric deficit and you're going to become shredded. You could become shredded if you stay committed in like, you know, I would say three months, 90 days. Most people don't under, Most people don't get that they don't they understand how much you can radically transform your body within 90 days if you just stay committed to a diet. And so, that's what I did. I went and I found that with Renaissance periodization, I stuck to it. I lost um, 18 pounds leading up to the hike, and then so this was all in a caloric uh, deficit, right? And then so about a month before the hike. I was like, man, you can't go into the canyon in a caloric deficit. You can't go in there depleted of nutrients. So I said, you need to go on maintenance calories. And maintenance calories is basically just that's what you need to maintain your body weight. And for me, it's about 2,200 calories. I know exactly the amount of food that I need to eat every single day. I know exactly the amount of protein I need. Carbs and fats. And those are the three most important macronutrients that every single person on this earth will consume. And those three macronutrients determine your body composition, how much weight you gain, how much weight you lose. That's what determines it. Unless you have some super, super, you know, special condition like, you know, celiac disease or what have you um, that requires you to have. Very specific sets of dietary needs. Uh, Tom, I, I think you might be a little bit more familiar with like specific dietary needs because I know you've had some health stuff that might require you to tinker with your diet in that sort of way.
1: Uh, but, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't really pay attention too much to it, but
2: yeah. But for me, I was like, that's what I needed to do to get myself into to the t- to the best shape that I could, you know. So that's what I ended up doing. And uh, so I went into the canyon, maintaining my body weight, and the, that was like 187 pounds at that point. And then I—I I mean, I—I I crushed the hike, bro. I mean, it was a wonderful experience, you know. And I, I accomplished it. I—I—I I, I made the commitment. It took me about three months of just really, really dialing in my nutrition, and um, made that commitment. And uh, and then I—I succeeded. And so then I after after the hike in May, um, I decided that I was just gonna stay with my maintenance diet, and then I maintained all the way through the summer. I wanted to drop my body weight a little bit uh, to to drop my body fat percentage down, so I went from 187 to 182, and then I've been just maintaining my body weight at 182, and I just ended my maintenance diet um, last week, actually, uh, after maintaining my body weight all summer long, and this was like, you know.
3: So with all of that, um, it,
0: it
3: has, how's the knee? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that's, so this is, and that's the, the the most, I would say the, the most beautiful thing about dialing in my nutrition is if it wasn't for my nutrition, then my knee would be screwed. And I really attribute the way my knee feels, the way I'm able to perform in the gym, the, the, the way I'm able to recover from my workouts is, I don't know if you guys have heard the saying that uh, 80% of um, your fitness is made in the kitchen and then 20% is made in the gym. And that's so true. Like, if I don't eat right, if I eat like a jerk, if I'm eating fast food all the time, if I drink beer, beer especially, because you drink beer... And then you make poor dietary choices, and then you just say screw it, and you end up not going to the gym, and it kind of cascades and falls apart.
3: I so, always just order four pizzas first, and then right. drink beer, because I then because <laughs> I don't want to mess around. <laughs> no,
2: you yeah, well that too. Sure you so your carbs up. You, you definitely need to uh, like for me what I what I learned through all that was like number one I can accomplish anything I want with my body, mostly pretty close, you know. Like I can get super lean, I can get super shredded. You know, I can build my I can build my deadlift up to over 400 pounds. You know, I can I can I can strict press 150 pounds. That's just putting a barbell straight over my head. You uh, he can, he can accomplish any sort of great like,
3: things if you just put your mind to it. And so even after all the adversity, you can still
1: press on. That's a lot, yeah, yeah. Well, you've done a lot, Matt, and uh, you're uh, you know staying healthy yep. and giving us some advice. Thank you for that.
2: Yeah, but so the, but I, and then, you know, the knee though, specifically, like, because I've messed around with, like, different types of supplements, you know, and I've taken CBD. CBD really helps, you know, the turmeric really helps. But what I've discovered, oh, this year specifically, like, this year has been a massive breakthrough for me, um, just in what I've discovered, what my body actually needs. And what my body really just needs is just a, a um, is just a, a, a nutritious diet, uh, one that's not, like, I don't yeah. have to be yep. super, crazy. like, I'm not eating chicken and broccoli every single day either, you know, it's like, yeah. I just need, to, I just need to pay attention to the macronutrients, and mostly protein, if, as long as I get my protein every day, about 180 to 200 grams of protein every day, and then limit my carbs and fats, then I'll stay lean, and I'll perform at a very high level in the gym, and yeah. my Workouts are great, and I don't have any knee pain. Like, all of my knee pain is gone. Like, I, my knees aren't for today. They get kind of achy every once in a while, but you know, I just maybe I'll just scale the workouts, I'll do something different, you know?
3: That's yeah. amazing, yeah. man. So you know we do. We talked about it numerous times throughout quite a few episodes about the whole foods things, eating nutritiously, having a better outlook. It'll change your your mental outlook for the week, everybody. I don't think we could have had a better example than our guest today, my Definitely. brother. God damn it, Matt Sparkman. Um, thank you so much for being a part of the show today, Matt, and um, and sharing all of that. You know, um, there's a lot more. You know, and and I'm I'm sure we're all open to having you back on. We. Are- always invite our
1: guests back on we right? always do every single yeah. guest we're like you need to come back on no one's been 86 yet Yep.
2: this but is I, a lot of fun bro I, I really enjoyed it it's good talking to you guys and uh, uh you know it's a pleasure to, to share my little corner of life with you guys yeah you know <laughs> maybe next time
1: man. you come on you can actually come to you know it'll be when you're in town or something and you can actually come in and be in the studio
3: yeah exactly for sure yeah. yeah we had a little bit of an arrangement thing and thank you so much for pivoting and doing it this week Matt um you know I love you brother and um you know I, I think it is a, a great example and and as we head all head into next week I always like to say you know um, it, well, it's a shorter week, so that's cool. It is Labor Day, so enjoy another day off tomorrow. But also, um, you know, get on top of the things we need to get on top of. I've always got some issue that I need to really correct myself on, and it'll make my week better, you know. To be honest with you, this week I bought a, a dope little ladder, and it's the stupidest little thing. Tara was, like, laughing at me, but it's going to improve my work week, like I've yeah. needed this thing for a long right. damn time. You know, I, and recently, I just go with it because I recently
1: know? bought one of those little giant ladders. Like I use gotcha. one at work, yeah, like those it's type of ladders. But I just bought one for my house, and I was excited to. Yeah, every time you pull so
3: out, you're gonna be exactly so, so. like you know, thank you for being that example today, Matt, about how you can. Um, and especially dial it into such an amazing exact amount, to be honest with you. I was like mind blown at the end there, you know, yeah. and um, I'd love to have you back on just to talk about a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I think it's always it, it's always great to provide that advice to everybody, you know, as Definitely. far as the macronutrients, as far as, uh, exactly. you know, dialing in stuff like that and, and also making it clear that a caloric deficit is really the main That's key all you need. to losing weight, you know. Yeah, it's better to like, absorb what you yeah, I to need say.
1: I need the opposite, like yeah. you guys said. I'd like to gain, I would like to gain maybe 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah,
3: I smash the same amount of garbage every day and I maintain the same weight. But you know, I know wholeheartedly <laughs> if I do, but you know, especially myself, I think we're lucky too. We have real athletic builds, regardless, you know, of uh even even when you were so-called fat, Matt, I think it was definitely um or overwhelming weight let's say but i mean but even if you if you look at a scale uh you know they they would call that obese you know so right
2: well yeah yeah, the whole bmi thing you know but like for me like i just even just just certain movements feel better for me like a pull-up for example is much easier at 182 pounds than it is at 202 pounds yeah you know so there's a lot of things that that become easier the lighter you become and then you start to you know Tinker with like your body composition and all these other things. I mean, there's an endless of uh, ways to, uh, to 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 get into fitness, you know, but the, the most important thing is stay consistent with your diet, you know.
1: Amen. Uh, well, amen thank you that. so
3: much, brother. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we all love you and you're always welcome back. And, uh, I yeah,
2: man, can't, much I can't love, wait to Tom, Tom and Frankie, for sure. Definitely, right. Matt. Thanks all
1: for right. coming on, man. Nice to talk to you.
2: All right. My pleasure. Talk to you guys later. All later, man. <laughs> bye. Later.
1: That, that was that was fun.
3: That was badass.
2: I much love
1: to my uh, brother. You know, uh, he'll come on again. That was that was a good time. He has a lot of uh, a lot of good things to say. A lot of knowledge about staying healthy and everything.
3: Yeah, sure. especially once he's you know he starts venturing down that that avenue of you know how disciplined he's become. You know, I yeah. I, I how just much want to vouch, he takes it seriously. Yeah, and yeah, I want to vouch impressive. personally. You know, for that journey, um, you know, it's not easy uh I, I would imagine and i know my brother personally but he he's always he's always kept a great mentality and and you know I've, i we've always kind of un- i think it's a the irish thing we unbridledly just shoot for the stars i was telling braden on friday night it's just unbridled confidence for no reason there's no reason to be hey, confident yeah, but we gotta, gone, we need to have braden on not, still man. too yeah for sure but hey guys thank you She's for being a part of the frank She's and tom doing. show yet yep. again another great episode much love and we'll see you next week have a good one woohoo